Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. On a scale of 1 to 10, how big of a fan of Patrick Wah are you? I'm an 11 out of 10, and the literal translation of Roa is king. Uh, part of the reason I love him so much is that we are very similar, and my guess is the book on Patrick Wah would be very similar to what the book is on me. He's uncontrollable. My dad would be proud of that fact. This is the Rod Peterson Show. Hi, everybody. Welcome inside the RP Show. Very special episode, and uh, happy holidays. If you're just joining us now, it's our annual World Juniors Hockey Championship special here on the RP Show, your favorite daytime sports talk show. And we're coming at you, as always, on the Game Plus Television Network, where they're big junior hockey, world junior fans all across Canada. We are in 31 U.S. states. And uh, also WQEE Radio in Atlanta. We're Atlanta's NHL show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube Live. Let's bring in uh, Darren Moose DuPont as we roll. We've been doing this every year, and I got to tell you a huge thanks to uh, producer Clark, who puts this together every year. Uh, and star-studded guest, Darren, as always, Craig Button in Hour One, TSN's Director of Scouting. He'll be calling the games at the World Juniors in Sweden this year. James Gallo, the voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors. You and I covered uh, the fact that... Um, there's a big Moose Jaw Warriors flavor to this Team Canada team this year, as opposed to the Regina Pats flavor. And Sammy Cosentino coming up this hour of Rogers Sportsnet. He talked about Macklin Celebrini, um, number one prospect for next summer's NHL draft. I'd, I'd like to get your take on this. He says, and he's right, Sammy, that uh, he's not a household name now, but he will be when these World Juniors are over. I'll be honest, man, maybe it's because I live in Florida now, but the kid does play college hockey in Boston, Macklin Celebrini. He didn't come onto my radar until Sam brought him up like a month ago to me. So the, 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 he's not coming in with Connor Bedard hype to these world juniors. No, he's not, you know, and, and a highly, you know, somewhat highly touted NHL prospect, but not a Connor Bedard, not a McDavid, not a, you know, yeah. guy who's, supposed to be penciled in as a generational talent but he's got a you know things that you don't think matter but he's got a catchy name celebrini that's going to be something you remember and when he's in the action and leading team canada you're going to fall in love with him really quickly this is what we talked about now or one like we don't know who we're going to fall in love with we know we all might be Braden yeager fans cover your ears i know rod you're a big bats guy but you might be all over the moose jaw warriors center and we know him as kind of the Robin to Bedard's Batman, you know, coming out of the Bantam draft and into the Western Hockey League, kind of overshadowed. Now he's got the stage to himself on, on Hockey Canada and Team Canada. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, and then the other one is the goaltenders. Three goaltenders who aren't household names, but one of them yeah. you would think is going to step up and, and become that or needs to become that. So that'll be interesting to see as this tournament goes along. They're, you know, they'll probably split a couple of the first couple of games here, as we'll see. Um, but one of them is going to step up and take the net. Be interesting to see who does that. Canada's three goalies are Samuel St. Hilaire, Scott Retzlaff, and Mathis Russo. You're right. That is a wonderful story as the tournament goes along. Who wrestles away the number one duties coming out of the uh, pre-camp competition, which reminds me, by the way, just before Christmas, we had uh, Scott Laughlin on from Sirius XM NHL Radio, and he asked me if I was concerned 
that Canada's World Junior team lost to the University All-Stars. And I was like, not one bit. But I got the sense from Scott, he was quite concerned. And I'm like, I don't know, exhibition's exhibition to me, man. Uh, no, not for one second am I concerned about that. Were you? No, and to be honest, I mean, yes, that second game on that Wednesday before Christmas, what was it, the 13th or the 12th, but 6-1 um, to one, losing to the University Sports All-Stars. That's a little shocking in, in the number and in the way that game went. But look, they're basically 500. I think the all-time record in these games since they've had them the last number of years is 13 wins for U Sports and 12 wins for Team Canada. To be honest, I'm surprised it's that close. The U Sports All-Stars yeah. should probably, you know, not have their way with Team Canada, but they should be expected to win. They're older, more mature. They're all, they all played at a really high-level major junior. Some of the best major junior players who never went on to the NHL. And I think University Hockey in Canada is maybe the best hockey that's not the NHL or some of the best hockey outside of the NHL in the American League. So, um, no, that doesn't concern me. No matter what happens in pre-tournament games, Canada, USA, Russia, Sweden, Finland, they're all good. Russia's not going to be in the tournament, but they all play well. We used to think of the Subway Series, CHL versus Russia. We always had our way with the Russians every year in that, and Russia showed up in the World Juniors. So, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, anything that's not with nothing on the line, should you put, other than pride, um, you yeah. shouldn't put any stock on it, in my opinion. I'm actually surprised all the time that it's 500. Like you say, that doesn't surprise me, or around 500. Um, yeah, so, odd, but maybe not odd. Uh, I'm reading from a Wire story here. Canada doesn't have any returning players from the 2023 tournament who are currently in the NHL, with Connor Bedard, Chicago, Adam Fentilli, Columbus, and Kevin Korczynski, Chicago, all playing big roles for their teams. Matthew Poitras, Boston, Zach Benson, Buffalo, and Shane Wright, Seattle, the other eligible players playing professionally have yet to be made available by their teams. Uh, I want to get into that with Sam Costantino next. What do you think is the reason now that NHL teams aren't loaning their world, their potential world junior stars to their countries? It's not just Canada, but it could be any country. Used to happen all the time. Doesn't happen anymore. Why do you think that is? I think the game is more of a short-term business than it's ever been. Um, not long-term. You know, I think... There's so many good hockey players that you cycle guys in and out if, if it's not working out. So you don't want to, A, risk injury. We saw what happened with Kirby Doc. He went back to Canada at the World Juniors and he yeah. got hurt. Um, you don't want to risk injury. And you want, especially if guys have signed their contracts to play in the National Hockey League and are playing games, you want to take advantage of them playing games with you as opposed to having them go back and playing somewhere else where they could get hurt it does nothing to affect your team today. Yeah, it might, you know, the experience might make for better players down the road, but I think we're looking a lot more short-term in the NHL than we are long-term like we maybe used to. Well, we'll be putting that question to Sam Cosentino coming up next segment. We'll see what he says. Uh, again, from the Canadian Press Wire, something else to be watching for, not just that Winnipeg connection that we talked last hour, Winnipeg Ice, now what Wenatchee Wild. Connor Geeky and Denton Matejchuk were rivals. Then they were teammates, and not long after that, best friends. A bond forged inside Manitoba's arenas and on the province's baseball diamonds brought the pair close as they challenged, pushed, and supported each other. Now they sit on the cusp of making another much bigger memory. Geeky and Matejchuk are among 30 hopefuls. Uh, who attended Canada's selection camp for the World Junior Hockey Championship. And, of course, they ended up making the team. Um, Geeky grew up about 250 kilometers west of Winnipeg in the town of Strathclair, while Matejchuk's from Dominion City, which is definitely not a city, roughly 90 kilometers south of the provincial capital. The duo suited up on opposite t sides in minor hockey during the frigid prairie winter, but were teammates for the sport's spring season. 
Uh, Geeky, a six foot four, 197 pound center, had a little edge at the 2022 NHL draft, going 11th overall to the Coyotes. Matej Chuck, a five foot 11, 191 pound defenseman, went next at number 12 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So they're not teammates in junior, but they're teammates with Canada and lifelong friends. Um, I feel like Manitoba is the biggest, most well represented province at this year's World Juniors, unless I've misread it. That's the sense that I'm getting. It feels like it, and maybe I got to go back through the rosters and look at this, but it feels like a very, you know, Manitoba um, group. And then when you look at, yeah, the former Winnipeg Wild players, Wenatchee Wild, whatever you want to call it, I think Winnipeg and Manitoba yeah. as a whole still has attachment to those guys. So that's what's cool about this, too, is you get the representation from all over Canada and all these different communities. Um, get to, you know, have pride for who's on this roster. And I think that's always what makes this tournament so much fun this time of year. Uh, I should bring up that uh, the coach was asked about it, Alan Latang, about the two's relationship. And he said, quote, makes for good TV. They're close. <laughs> and I think it pulls more guys into our room. So just as far as this leadership management group goes, Alan Latang from Renfrew, Ontario, currently the head coach of the Sarnia Sting, and he played 14. Did he play in the NHL? No, he did not. Uh, he was a eighth-round pick of the Montreal Canadiens in the 1993 NHL draft. Born in 1975 in Renfrew, Ontario, Alan Latang. Yeah, here it is. The last three seasons, Sarnia Sting, and before that, Owen Sound Attack. Peter Anholt, our longtime friend, general manager of the Lethbridge Hurricanes, is the uh, de facto GM. I don't think that's the name they use for Hockey Canada, but any thoughts on this leadership group, as they say, taking Canada into the World Jays? Yeah, I mean, um, it's always interesting to see, you know, how they do and, and um, what Canada looks like from an, an identity standpoint. But I always trust the group that they put together. I think for the most part, they've been pretty spot on. Um, so interesting to see how Latang does as the coach. But, you know, whether it was Alan Miller in the past or now Peter Anholt, um, the Western Hockey League is always represented at or near the top of the organization, uh, the organizational structure. So uh, um, I don't doubt that they made some really good choices. Yeah, the quote from Peter Anholt regarding the cuts coming out of the uh, selection camp. Uh, Peter Anholt, the title is the lead member of Canada's management group, said of conversations with the <clears throat> cut players, hard decisions, they're good players, they're here for a reason, but we did the work, we've gone through the process. It's always hard to let players go that are 19 years old. They handled it like pros. You expect that. That was from uh, Peter Anholt, and I guess uh, we got less than a minute here. But pressure, man! I can't. I'd love to. I'll talk to Peter when he gets home. Pressure on all these guys. You got to win gold. Doesn't matter. You've won the last two, right? They better win. That's a lot of pressure. You got to win. The pressure's always there, and when you're in Canada, it's gold or nothing at the World Juniors. <laughs> I, I'm learning a lot down here. Somebody quoted Dale Earnhardt recently: "Second place is the first loser." So it's not Ricky Bobby. Dale Earnhardt says that you better win or don't bother coming home. Okay, Moose. Thanks. <laughs> Enjoy the hockey. Thank you. Sam Cosentino of Rogers Sportsnet and NHL Network joins us next. We're live on Game Plus TV, WQE Radio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube Live. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Need a champion for your charity event? An all-star for your seminar? How about an Olympian to give a winning keynote speech? EMJ Marketing is the place to go. 
EMJ Marketing is one of Canada's top speaker bureaus, with some of Canada's most recognizable athletes and entertainers on their roster. EMJ also represents a wide range of impactful keynote speakers and MCs. So whether you need to fill a spot on stage or someone to arrange the entire event, do it with one stop, EMJ Marketing. Take the first step to success for your next event. Visit emjmarketing.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our annual World Junior Hockey Championship preview here on Game Plus Television, WQEE Radio, and, of course, the streams. And uh, it was a fun hour one, as we heard from Craig Button and James Gallo, and uh, we keep it rolling. Our friend Sam Costantino joins us, hockey analyst, prospects analyst, and it is literally Christmas for him, uh, Sammy, right? The World Juniors are on in Sweden. we got a lot to talk about, and this is how I'm starting the interviews. Excitement level 1 to 10. How are you for this year's tourney? Uh, I'm about a 9, I would say, which is pretty pretty normal for me. I mean, you know, I guess the, the 10 excitement level for me would be if I had the opportunity to call it, like you and I did way back in, in 2012 uh, on radio. Uh, that opportunity doesn't present itself, so... Uh, being able to watch it and still watch a lot of the kids that I grew up calling games for um, that I've seen throughout the draft uh, and, and, and getting the opportunity to watch how they've grown and developed and see how they represent their countries still gives me plenty of room for that, uh, for that nine rank. Hey, you and I forever linked along with Andrew Walker as the last year on Sportsnet Radio of the World Juniors. Remember that, everybody. 22 is the last year it was ever on the Sportsnet Radio Net. We made it what it is today, Sammy. Listen, the last time you and I talked, we talked about the number one pick for next year's NHL draft. You said Macklin Celebrini, and to be honest, I feel like that was the first time I'd ever heard his name. I'm not a scout. I'm not a prospect analyst like yourself. Is he leading the charge? Is he the guy? He, he must be for Team Canada this year in Sweden. He is uh, a guy who, you know, through the under-18s, had 15 points. That's, uh, you know, a mark that's only been touched by a few. Um, and this is a guy who plays it in all three zones. This is a guy who's had uh, a massive amount of success before uh, making his way to Team Canada with, with 25 points in 15 games as a freshman at Boston University, which is really, really difficult to do especially coming off a, a shoulder issue uh, in the offseason. So um, he's, an, he's an unbelievable three-zone player. There's a dynamic element to his game in terms of his shooting ability, but there are a lot of subtleties to his game too in terms of stripping pucks, bodying guys uh, in the right position, taking away lanes, taking away space, taking really good routes defensively and on the backtrack. So there's a number of things that this guy can do, and um, – you know, I, I think I said it in my first rankings back in, in October. I think he goes wire to wire as the number one guy, and that's, that for me is not going to change. Yeah, no kidding. I, I saw a no doubter. Um, let me ask you this. It's another year without Russia. Um, Darren DuPont brought that up last year, and it's just it's disappointing. And I guess it's not something that is going to change or we can do anything about. But how has that affected this tournament? I, I, just got, I got used to them not being here, but that's probably yeah, not right. That, no, and, and listen, the Russians are competitive in every event that they go to, and they're still going to events, albeit not, uh, you know, sanctioned by the IIHF, uh, and not really uh, necessarily too far outside the borders of, of their country. Uh, but they make the tournament better. They always do. They, mm -hmm. they play uh, an up-tempo game, a lot of really skilled players, they tend to kind of rope-a-dope their way through the, through the round-robin portion of the tournament, the preliminary round of the tournament, and they always end up, you know, being, a con being in the conversation for a medal. So they're, from a pure hockey perspective, there's no question that this tournament misses them. Their addition to the tournament helps balance things. When you think about, you know, you got Canada, U.S., you got Sweden, Finland, you got Slovak, uh, Slovakia, Czechia, and then you would have Russia, and there really is no counterpart after that. So, you know, you're looking at seven teams that would be in contention each and every year with their inclusion into the tournament. That moves to six, and if you have an off year in Slovakia or Czechia, now you're talking about five teams. So they dramatically influence the balance of power in the tournament. 
They dramatically influence the skill level to the negative side of things when they don't participate. And they definitely take away from the drama of the event by not being there, especially with, you know, a rival with Canada. They seem to have a pretty good rivalry with, with just about everyone, you know, Sweden going back to, to our days, um, you know, with Finns. And of course, uh, you know, Czechia always seem and, and Russia seem to play good games as well. So they're, they're missed from a pure hockey perspective, no doubt. Yeah, I could talk to you about this forever, but we're tight on time, so I'll move on um, to this. Craig Button said last hour, I believe he said USA and Sweden were his, his um, picks coming in. But I'm like, I talked to everybody. I can't remember what everybody says. If it was USA and Sweden, do you agree with that? Who do you think are the favorites in this tourney? Yeah, definitely. I mean, no, no Leo Carlson for Sweden. Of course, that's difficult. No Logan Cooley for the U.S. Of course, that's difficult. But there's still plenty of holdovers from both teams. NHL drafted players, you won't see quite the high-end draft-eligible talent on those two teams, which is a good thing because usually, uh, um, you know, age tends to win out. It, it is a 19-year-old tournament. And so when it comes to those two groups in particular, they've got a lot of age, a lot of experience on their side. And a whole lot of skill for both sides so i would definitely agree with that assessment i'd probably put the americans just slightly ahead but not by much when and where and why did it change that nhl teams aren't loaning their players to the world juniors i feel like alexi lafreniere with the rangers was to me right around there but it just doesn't really happen anymore um why not well, listen, in the National Hockey League this year, we're, we're pretty lucky. I mean, you have Connor Bedard. There's no way he's getting loaned. He's just a star. You have Kevin Korczynski playing on the same Chicago team, who's a bit of a surprise to make and maintain his spot in the roster. But the guy's playing 18, 19 minutes a night. Now you look at Zach Benson. He scored. Uh, he, he's a guy who continues to, to, to play well for the Buffalo Sabres. You look at Adam Fantilli. I mean, they're leaning on him heavily in Columbus, playing in a key position at center for a team that actually needs him in the lineup. So I think if you're looking at this year in particular, you're looking at a number of guys who've had so uh, good of an impact for their clubs that it's hard to deny um, them. Uh, you know, you have to deny them the chance to, to go and play for Canada at the World Juniors. You know, and, and oftentimes, and I, and I think in particular in the case of, of – uh, Fantilli and Bedard uh, in particular, let's say they were struggling along and their teams were, were going to loan them. I think if you ask the players themselves, they're, they're looking at themselves as National Hockey League players. And, and as prestigious an event as it is, it's not something you get paid to do. I think those guys are used to receiving the paycheck that if they had the option, they'd probably still choose to play in the National Hockey League. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a slight against Canada. I think it's a sign of maturation and a sign of graduation, if you will. Um, you know. That's we're not in that scenario, Rod. So that's not something that we we really have to worry about. But in the grand scheme of things, players aren't being loaned as much because they're too helpful for their respective teams. Number one and number two is a lot of times those players are still on their entry level deals. In fact, all the time they're on their entry level deals, and we know how important that is, especially in the in a salary cap situation. Well, I'm glad I asked because I, I just initially thought they didn't want their guys to get hurt. But we see Bedard centering the top line. You mentioned what Fentilli's doing. Logan Cooley is single-handedly saving the Arizona Coyotes. That's a whole other conversation as to why these young kids are so impactful on an NHL team. That's just wrong. Yeah. But that's the way that it is, Sam. That's just the way that it is. Yeah. That's that's the way the game's going younger. The game's going cheaper on, um, you know, whenever possible. And so, you know, those t those guys tend to tend to fit that bill. Now, get them while they're hot now, because the next deal for Connor Bedard, and the next deal for Fantilli and Leo Carlson and Logan Cooley are they're, they're going to be significant deals. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I, here's another one, uh, and just a few minutes left. We're going to wait to see who the household names become off this. Team Canada team. But when you and I were calling the games, there's a name that keeps coming up a lot. And it's Jonathan Huberto from the 2012 uh, Canadian team. And in that game, I talked to Ryan Huska about it this summer. As you know, he was an, assist, uh, was an assistant coach on that team. He's now the head coach of the Flames. That comeback against Russia that fell short. Um, man, those were great times. And uh, I guess, who do you expect will become the household names? Or is that why we love the tournament so much? It's too tough to predict. 
Oh, I, I think we have a couple of guys. I mean, Celebrini is going to be a household name, and it won't be, won't be long. I think you're going to see, you know, by the end of the tournament, I think you're going to see some some pretty uh, like an increased hype on him. Um, you know, from those that you know, maybe just dabbled around the fringes, don't get to see NCAA hockey. I think Tristan Luno is a name that you'll probably get familiar with. The seven NHL games uh, with Anaheim uh, previous to the to the tournament and being loaned back by by Anaheim. He should eat a boatload of minutes back there for Canada. Um, you know, and then if, if you just kind of go down the list here, if I'm looking at someone like Oliver Bonk, son of Raddick, you're looking at Fraser Minton, uh, NHL games with the Toronto Maple Leafs, Matthew Savoy, got into his uh, first NHL game with the Buffalo Sabres, Connor Geeky, a, another former Winnipeg slash Wenatchee guy is a first round pick of Arizona. So I think you have a number of guys in this team that you look back five years from now and, and, and you're going to say, wow, uh, we got an opportunity to see those guys well before they were stars in the national hockey league. No doubt. No doubt. How are we doing Clark on time? Should we, uh, should we let Sammy on his way? Yeah. 90 seconds. Okay, 90 seconds. 2012. It's amazing that Ryan Huska would still remember who scored the goals, let alone how that went down, Sam. That semifinal against Russia was just rank for Canada to sold out Saddle Dome, right? One of the highlights of my life. Oh, yeah. No, that was, that was super cool. And you know what, Rod? You can't discount the championship game, the goaltending performance by Russia as a Vinajad, uh, you know, winning it. I think it was a, it was a 2 1 game, if I'm not mistaken, but nowhere near what a 2-1 game would indicate in terms of chances. I mean, there were chances all over the place in that game. So pretty cool that we had the opportunity to do that. That will, uh, that you know, that's a career resume thing for me and, the, and a bucket list thing that, uh, that we, I and, and you and I were able to do. It was awesome and got to know each other's families. Uh, by the way, that ended a 30-year drought for Sweden to, to win it and Zabinijad scoring it overtime. Man, I get chills just thinking about it. Sam, happy holidays. Thanks for always helping us out in our World Juniors preview and the best to, to your wonderful family here this season. All right, right back at you, Roddy. I uh, really appreciate you having me on. Happy holidays. Sam Cosentino, Sportsnet and NHL Network. Our preview continues after this timeout on Game Plus TV, WQEE Radio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube Live. Are you struggling in life? Perhaps feeling hopeless? or even battling an addiction that's taking your life down the drain. It's time you made the decision to stop the struggle and contact Peterson Recovery. Hi, Rod Peterson here, and I've been a licensed recovery coach since 2017, helping athletes, entertainers, and soldiers get their lives back and go on to lead a happy life. Now, I'd like to help you. Mental health is real, and sometimes all it takes is some guidance from someone who's been there. Follow Peterson Recovery on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and DM me or email petersonrecovery at aol.com. It's never too late. You're hearing it a lot. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Andy Williams sang it. And while a lot of people talk about the Christmas holidays, they also talk about the World Junior Hockey Championship and... Joining us to talk about it is our good friend Stephen Ellis. I got to make sure I got it right. Associate editor and prospect analyst for the Daily Faceoff, co-host of the Puck Poolies podcast, and uh, joins us now from Ontario. What's going on, Stephen? Merry Christmas, brother. Well, Merry Christmas to you, and I'd much rather be on that boat right now than looking outside at the pouring rain that we've had for a few days here. But uh, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, well, hey, what's great is we're talking hockey, no matter the temperature. And a little birdie told me that you have been specifically covering the USA hockey camp, the uh, the trials for the World Juniors. Is that true? What what? Tell me all about that. 
So I went, I, so luckily I was at Canada's camp first and they, uh, they practiced about a five minute drive away from where I live. So that made that easy. Uh, so I was there for the four days and then I went to Michigan for a little bit to go watch uh, the U S camp. So, uh, you know, it's, I'm not going to be going to Sweden. going to be covering from home this year. Uh, we got some Swedish guys going out to help us instead, but, uh, it's always good to catch up on these guys and you hear a lot of interesting stuff when you get to talk to the, the scouts that show up to these training camps. So, uh, it's a good time. Well, buddy, you're cut from the cloth of the old school. That's why I love you so much. Bob McKenzie said it. I, I think it was on this show. I said, Bob, what do you tell the young reporters? He goes, if you want scoops, go to the rink. If you want to score goals, go to the net. And Stephen, you go to the rink. So what do you want to do? Yes, that's the old school way of doing it. So what would you learn down there at USA Camp? Well, uh, Owen Allard is a guy that a lot of scouts are going to be keeping a close eye on. And he was kind of, if you looked at Canada's pre-tournament or uh, um, selection camp roster, I think a lot of people looked at him, the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds player, and thought, why is he here? He's not putting up a point per game. He's not doing anything spectacular over the Greyhounds. But a lot of scouts I talked to really kind of penciled him in as not only a lock to make the Canadian team, and he did end up making it, but also as a guy that, you know, could really impress as a potential, you know, third year eligible prospect because he's so good defensively, so quick, and he does all that so well. He's one of the best OHL players in terms of being a defensive forward. So that's a guy that when you're cutting Jaeger Furcus, who's one of the top scoring players in the CHL, and you're cutting Denver Barkey, who was probably Canada's best forward outside of Macklin Celebrini in those two exhibition games last week, that, that says something when they're bringing him there. So he's the guy that a lot of scouts are kind of interested in. Uh, keep going. Keep talking. Tell me more. What else did you see and learn down there? Well, the USA one was interesting. Uh, you may not know about Sam Hillebrand. He was an undrafted goalie prospect. But the thing no. that really excites me there is that he was playing junior C hockey last year in Ontario for the Stainer Siskins. Uh, they play in the PCJHL, which has 61 teams. So I'd say there's there's quite a few hockey teams in there about 200 people go to these games not a lot but he had a perfect record won every single game he won for that they played for that team he shared the net didn't end up getting the final playoff games when they did lose but unbelievable goalie goes and he's playing with the barry colts this year he's looking great uh i don't think he gets drafted as a, a third year eligible a kind of a guy that was completely off the radar but we do know from from reports that Andrew Oak, who was the third goalie the last two years for the World Juniors, he declined the opportunity because USA's goaltending is way too good and he wasn't going to get a start. But that shouldn't take away from the fact that Sam Hillebrand, this guy who was playing again, junior C hockey, like essentially the fourth or fifth year, depending on where you're looking at in Ontario, uh, was is playing in this is tournament as the third goalie for the Americans. So that's a cool story. Yeah, and I apologize because a lot of people are afraid to ask dumb questions. I'm not. i got to be honest. All through the fall, Florida Panthers training camp and the start of the regular season, it was all about Mackie Samuskevich, Mackie Samuskevich. My God, if I had a nickel every time I heard Mackie Samuskevich, who almost made the team. He's from Newtown, Connecticut. He's in Charlotte now. Why have I not heard with him with the U.S. World Juniors like ever? Or did I and I missed it? Uh, well, he's too old. Uh, he was too old two years ago. So it's been a few years for him, but he was, he was on that junior team in 2022 when they played in the summer. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> so not eligible for this year's team, but still young. Okay. I got you. So we've had Craig Button on this show and he said, USA and Sweden, the favorites for this tournament. Um, do you agree or disagree with that? It can't go wrong with those, although I, I would almost put Canada as probably the second best team. Now that we know they've got mm. Matthew Poitras there, that's a big one. Uh, having him with Macklin Celebrini and, and Matt Savoy, they've got some really good offensive weapons there. I think, you know, the one thing to keep in mind with the Swedes is very talented team, and they've also played together a few times this year. They've also they've made up mostly of guys that played at the U18 World Championship the past two years, which is essentially the World Juniors for guys a couple years younger and they went to the gold medal game in the last two years so that's a good sign for them there they've got a lot of those guys there the issue with the swedes is can you ever trust this team they every year at the world juniors they're always one of the top teams and then they seem to fall flat when it matters and we saw that against the americans last year too in the bronze medal game i think though home ice a lot of pressure but it is a group that should contend for a medal no question about it but 
you know, the Americans are about as strong of a team as we've seen in a long time. And it helps that they were also in those same two gold medal games that the U18 World Championship players were on. We're looking at a team that didn't bring Cole Eiserman, who's one of the top prospects for the draft, to camp, and then cut the top 2025 prospect, James Haggins, when a lot of people penciled him in as a top six player for this team. They got so much scoring depth. They got the best goaltending in the tournament, and their defense is considered their weakness. And they've got Lane Hudson and Seamus Casey, two of the best defenders in college hockey. So it's not really a, an issue there either. So this is a stacked team that should go out there and win. Sweden's looking good. Canada's looking good. If I'm going to give like an off-the-board team that could maybe surprise, Slovakia put up a, put a lot of teams on a notice last year with how they played. Even without Slavkovsky, even without Simon Nemec, this is still a pretty solid team. So I'm not saying they're going to go out there and get a medal, but if any of the smaller teams is going to really push, the Slovaks. Fun question uh, to end it. The guys that are playing in the World Juniors now are going to end up playing World Cups, Olympics at the NHL's NHLers get there. You must have seen the debate on spitting chicklets where Ryan Whitney says the USA will walk on Canada in future international competition, and Biz said not a chance. How do you feel about that? Because you cover this regularly. It's your job. Is USA becoming the dominant world hockey superpower or not? They're definitely closer than they've ever been to being among there. Uh, I think the one thing people kind of forget of Canada is, you know, let's say we're, we're playing in 2025, 2026. You're looking at forwards that are going to be, you know, assuming they would stay at center. You're going to get Connor McDavid, Connor Bedard, Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon as your centers. And then you've got Braden Point, Steven Stamkos, all these guys that could play such important roles for this team. I think the one thing the Americans definitely have an advantage in is goaltending and then definitely on defense too if you got quinn hughes and adam fox as your top pairing that's like ridiculously good but you know canada's i think people kind of just discount canada because it's the top team you kind of always expect big things and when the other teams start to catch up there's that but it, it's probably the closest canada and usa have ever been to being top teams in international hockey and that's exciting to see because you look at the americans every year at the world championship they never win they always they're at best they're coming third they've never come first or second so it's kind of a difficult thing for them but the juniors program continues to churn out quality talent that if you were to put best on best, Austin Matthews, uh, Jack Eichel, Jack Hughes, like the, the level of talent on that team is something I don't think the Americans have ever had. So it's too bad we aren't being able to show these guys off every two years or every four years. It's stupid. It's, it continues to get stupid. I, I, I kind of like the idea of, a, of the four-team thing just to get international hockey. But at this point, why don't we have like, uh, every two years, Canada, USA, like rivalry series, like the women's hockey, like that'd be awesome. And we've never had a series like that on the men's side. That's something I hope if, if we're going to get anything, let's get that. We had a few in the eighties and it was spectacular. Steven, happy holidays again. Great job. Great answer. Uh, enjoy the hockey and keep in touch. You too. And don't forget the Spangler cup. Another great tournament to watch right now. Gotcha. The great Stephen Ellis from Daily Faceoff, good friend of ours, great guy, knows his stuff. We'll be right back with a sports update and audience takeover right, this and some, uh, right after this, and some special messages have come in on that Sober Carpenter text line. We'll get to those right away. Live on Game Plus Television, WQEE Radio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube Live. Television, WQEE Radio, and streaming. And I, we truly have saved the best 
for last. Let's bring him on screen now, the great Theron Fleury, who we've got a lot of kudos and plaudits for, a guy who played at the 1987 and 1988 World Juniors. And Theo, uh, I'll say happy holidays, Merry Christmas to you. And I maybe you would may or may not be surprised to know James Gallo, the voice of the Warriors, anointed you earlier the greatest warrior world junior player ever. So congratulations, Theo. How's it feel? <laughs> uh good to see you and happy holidays merry christmas to you too um yeah you know uh interesting thing was uh you know the first year i went uh <clears throat> you know was kind of surprised you know i went to where were we in ottawa i think and and uh i surprisingly had a great camp and uh mike keen was there with me and we both made the team and uh we went to uh what was it Slovakia I guess now it was but it was Czechia I guess is where we were and uh you know we ended up brawling the Russians so <laughs> um it was an interesting start to the world junior but uh, definitely the the following year was uh you know was probably you know people ask me all the time you know what's your favorite championship you won and I always tell them it's the world junior because it's the greatest hockey tournament in the world and uh and so the second year i went back with uh you know with greg hoggood and uh um and jimmy Waite, obviously uh was was from the year before uh i was named captain of the team and uh we and you know back then it was just a round robin there was no you know quarterfinal semifinal final so it was just a round robin and so basically at the end of the tournament and because we <clears throat> got disqualified the year before we had to play all the tough teams first <clears throat> and so we ended up playing the russians um our third last game uh in the same rink that paul henderson scored the goal in 1972 and the russians had a line of Fedorov, McGilney, and Bure was their top line. And uh, I think we had a line of Recky, Graves, and Robbie DeMaio that we put out against them, and uh, we beat them three to two. And uh, I think we had to play Poland and Germany uh, the, ne the next two games, so we had to win those two games in order to win the gold medal, which we, we did. And, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it was an amazing tournament. It was an amazing time. And uh, like I said, one of my favorites. If not my you know, favorite. As I look, well, for different reasons. Because um, there, there was a bit of a theme here. And you, it's special to you. It's special to me. It's special to every Canadian World Juniors. Like, for instance, Craig Button was on here earlier. And I said, what, when did the World Juniors first come on your radar? He said, 1976. He's sitting in the Montreal Forum in their season seats. Watch Gretzky score wearing number nine for Team Canada. Yeah. Mine was the punch. Mine was the punch up in Piastani, cheering for you. Uh, as a Pats fan, right. we've been over this, but you're playing for Canada at this event, so I'm cheering for you. And to be honest, that's when the World Juniors really first came on my radar. Not that I'm that much younger than you at all, but. Did you ever have you ever watched the tape, Theo, of the brawl? Because they came back in between periods, and Brian Williams was like, he didn't know what to say. None of us had ever <laughs> seen anything like it. So it's well, remind me of the punch he, up in Piastani, please. He chose his words the wrong way. You know, he he labeled it a disgrace and all this stuff, but. You know, he had no clue, I guess, what was going on in the regular season over in the, you know, the CHL because there was either a brawl or a five-on-five -five line brawl every single night in the Western League. So, um, thank God for Don Cherry. Uh, you know, he stepped in. And, uh, um, you know, Harold Ballard actually had some medals made for us. Uh, um that I still have somewhere in a box somewhere, but, uh, you know, um, yeah, it was, you know, the Russians had no chance of winning. They had, they had had their worst world junior tournament ever. And we had to win by, I think it was four goals. 
in order to uh, have a chance at winning the gold medal, which we were well on our way of accomplishing that. Um, I actually scored uh, two goals in that game. And uh, yeah, and then, but it was, you know, it was chippy, it was dirty, it was nasty. And, uh, you know, I wasn't at all surprised, you know, what happened at the end of that game. Um, yeah. And probably we, we had picked, you know, one of the uh, toughest world junior teams we'd ever assembled at that time, you know. And, uh, um, and that wasn't our first brawl of the tournament. <laughs> we, uh, we actually had training camp in Switzerland and we brawled one of the uh, top teams at Zug. We had a brawl with them. We brawled the Americans in warm up that year, and then we kind of topped it all off with the you know the brawl against the Russians. So weird, crazy stuff happened. The whole that whole experience. Yeah. But this is literally like the who's who. I'm just looking. Well, that was '87 and '88. I'm just looking at this. Madano, John Leclerc, yourself, obviously McGillney. You mentioned Fedorov. That was like just mm -hmm. the talent assembled. But you're talking about 87. So let me say this. Did I refresh my memory? And people will, <laughs> won't know this, but the people that were running the rink started turning the lights off because they didn't know what to do. <laughs> Who would have thought that was a good idea, right, to turn the lights yeah. off in a brawl? Well, and when they turned the lights off, the refs, like, ran off the ice. So there was nobody out there, you know. <laughs> So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a wild experience. Let me tell you. Could the Russians fight? No, no, no. And like I said, we, we had some tough guys on that team. You know, uh, I think if you, if you look at the tape and you see Keener, like, I guarantee he hit that Russian guy 70 unanswered. Like, 70 unanswered. Ooh. He was just like, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, I don't know. But you could still see a little bit what was going on, you know, on the ice. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Every single year, um, you know, around this time, I get calls, hey, can I – give you a call and talk about the brawl. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about the brawl. You know, I want to talk about what happened the year after, you know? Uh, and, you know, that, that 1988 team, it, we, we never get mentioned ever at the World Junior Tournament on TSN. We never get mentioned at all, you know? And it was one of the, we had 12 wow. first round draft picks. You know, Joe Sackick was our, I believe he was our fourth line centerman on that team, you know, and we never get mentioned. It was, the, and it was the third, third world junior championship that, you know, Hockey Canada had won, you know, and we won it in a very, you know, hostile environment. We were in communist Russia, you know, and, uh, you know, for us to come out of there with a the gold medal was, uh, you know, it was wild. and. You know, well, guys weren't even yeah. eating. Guys weren't even eating the food, and so they had to fly over a crate of craft dinner so that we guys would actually eat something over there. And so, not only were we playing in a hostile environment, we were malnutritioned and you know and everything. But uh, you know, we overcame all that adversity and, and beat probably you know one of the best Russian teams that they had ever assembled in the World Junior. Well, I'll tell you what. Because um, we're running out of time, we got about five minutes. Not even next year, we'll we'll talk more about '88 because I and give it its due. And I appreciate you talking mm -hmm. about the brawl here today because I didn't expect to go this deep in it. But this is what people don't understand. They they would look at this Canadian roster uh, roster from '87. By the way, Theo, thank you for shedding the light on '88. But you know, '87 is a sexier topic. That people would go, Pat mm -hmm. Ellen Nuke. Yeah, Pat Ellenick, Foam Lake, PA Raiders, like David Latta. You know, these are guys that nobody knows. We know, no. but nobody knows. Yeah. You know, that's... Well, there's <laughs> Pierre Turgeon. We should... Pierre Turgeon, yeah. Brandon Shanahan, Pete Chason, 
Luke Richardson, you know, me, Keener, Everett Santapass, like all like great hockey players. There was great Scott Medcalf, you know, old Buffalo guy, Sabre guy, you know, we Glenn Wesley. really good players. Yeah, Glenn Wesley, yeah. And then Jimmy Wade and Nat, you know. So it was a great team. Uh, Glenn Wesley, Portland Winterhawks. God bless him. Hey, we just have a couple minutes left, but I'm interested to know, you said you have a special relationship or a close relationship with Braden Yager, who the scouts have called the next Nathan McKinnon. I don't know if you agree with that or not. He broke your rookie scoring record uh, in Moose Jaw, and I love that. You were cheering for him to do it. You're obviously cheering for him real close at the World Juniors. Yeah. Well, I met him a few years ago at the Warrior Golf Tournament, and uh, um, you know, just said, you know, if you ever need somebody to talk to, if you know, if you're struggling or whatever, you know, here's my phone number, you know, give me a text or give me a call. And so, you know, we've kind of developed a cool relationship uh, over the last couple of years where I just text him and check in with him every once in a while. And, uh, you know, as soon as he made the world junior team, I got a text on my phone and, uh, you know, he's really excited and looking forward to it. And, uh, um, you know, what a great place to be in Sweden, you know, Sweden at the World Junior probably doesn't get much better than that. So, um, yeah, and obviously uh, he's a he's a goal scorer and, uh, you know, in a World Junior tournament when you get hot, uh, you know, that that's important. And, uh, you know, I can see him being a, uh, you know, one of those game breakers for Team Canada, uh, when, you know, when the games are close, you know, he's he has the ability and the talent to, you know, to whip one in and get get Canada the win. Well, as you said, and we're into the final minute here, how is Jagger Furcus not on the team? But I guess we couldn't have three guys from one team. I don't, if that's happened, it's rare. Um, but that just, again, speaks to your talent being part of two teams on a very tough roster to crack. Theo, we got to run. I appreciate you so much. I learn so much from you every time we chat, hockey and otherwise. So <laughs> Merry Christmas again. Happy holidays to your crew. L, your, fur, your spoiled fur babies. Theo, keep in touch. Yes. All the best in 2024. Yes. Thank you very much. Enjoy, enjoy the world, Junior. Thank you, pal. The great Theron Fleury, the greatest warrior of all time. And as we point out, there, there really isn't any competition for that one. But uh, always happy to have him help us out. Always happy to have you folks tune in and join us for this World Junior Special. Enjoy the hockey, as Theo said. We'll see you next year here on the RP Show. Who has more fun than us? <laughs> this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.